Action Park Media. All right, welcome to Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. I am Kevin Connolly. And I am Mark Cuban, filling in for Kevin Dillon. Wow. <laughs> Dillon, you're finished. I hope you're hearing this at the Louvre in Paris. Yeah, <laughs> Dillon, you can't really offer us basketball tickets, so I'm not sure what you can do. <laughs> How you doing, Mark? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. This no, I mean, it's it's awesome to have you. And, and, you know, look, I started reminiscing about how this all came about back in the day. Krista Parkinson emails me randomly, yep. and there's no social media at the time. Nope. Mark's not a giant, bigger than Pre-shark us TV tank, star. Yeah, pre-shark and, tank. And it's like... Okay, what are we gonna do with Mark Cuban? You know, and and we thought of this thing, and I'm like, would you be up for it? And it was kind of a Shark Tank thing. You know? Yes, it was, it was great. I mean, I was shocked. I went in. I mean, because everybody wants to do a cameo in Entourage, right? And by the way, like if I travel outside the United States, no one knows Shark Tank. No one knows the Mavericks. Every time it's Entourage. Really? Oh my God, I've seen you on Entourage. That's my favorite show. I mean, I could be Australia, you name it, anywhere. That's all they talk about. But you know, but so is there that any chance. thought that 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 we helped you get Shark Tank? Is that possible? <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Are you kidding me? My acting chops, bam. <laughs> so Mark, Mark, to refresh your memory, Mark did five episodes. Eight. Five episodes in the movie. Yeah, so yeah plus the movie. Plus, yeah, plus the, the movie. Little, little things. I counted eight. Because anytime you showed me, that counted. <laughs> you know what? So so Mark is kind of like a regular. He's, yeah, right? Right. That, with that many episodes, he's got to be up right? at the top of recurring characters. I mean, he's definitely showed up more than Dylan showed up for the podcast. <laughs> right? so, so that's pretty But, but good. I got to tell you, right? Because Krista asked me about an entree. I'm like, are you shitting me? Of course. Yes. And then I get there thinking, okay, I'm going to do my little spiel, right? Typical cameo. And then all of a sudden, Doug's like, okay, we got the storyline. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> This is great. You know, are you kidding me? And then you had me like acting, not just with the guys, but like with real actors. And I'm like melting. How Odenkirk. I? Yeah. Oh, you know, he's a legend. Bob he's Odenkirk. a legend. And who was the guy that was had the tequila company? He was in. Oh, yeah. No, Miguel Sandoval from Clear and Present Danger. Yeah, that's Pablo what it was. Escobar yeah, yeah. yeah. He hit the guy with the bat. Amazing. That's I'm all a, I'm thinking about. But also, I remember. So people always ask, like, how we write a script. So obviously, when you're coming on, I'm going to make you look as good as I can possibly make you. And you wanted at the time, you were talking about, I think it was content partners. Yes, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you were like, hey, can I switch this to that? Oh, my God. That's right. And and it also, you know, Mark... We're doing a podcast now. You were at the forefront of this stuff. You yeah. did, you started broadcast.com, which First I re- streaming, yeah. I remember at the time going, What the fuck? I'm is like, this? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I got understand. You guys have no idea. Because it was hard to stream back then, right? You had to have a PC, a modem, this and that. This is ninety-eight, early ninety-five. And I'm like, you don't okay, so there's this internet thing that's going to be big. What? And you're gonna be able to listen to anything from anywhere in the world and then soon watch it. What? And then people, <laughs> my friends be like, You're a fucking idiot. I'm gonna turn on the motherfucking TV, bro. I don't need this shit. And then I'm like, you just wait. You just wait. But also you could listen to games that you wouldn't be able to listen to. Well, that's the whole thing, right? right? That's if what I said. If you want to listen yeah. to some random college game, you would yeah, be yeah. able to listen to that. Like when we were in Dallas trying to listen to Indiana basketball, literally we would get a 12 pack, we would have a, a speaker phone and someone in blue. Bloomington, Indiana would have a speakerphone next to a radio, and we'd listen to the games and sit there and yuck it up, right? That was the only way to do it. So my guy Todd Wagner was like, you're the geek. Figure this out. I'm like, let's go. You know, it's amazing, and I don't know if Connolly will have a date on this, but like 82-83, when the Islanders come back from 3-1 against the Penguins, that I'm was, away that was, uh, against your Penguins, yeah, by the way. Yeah, by the but way. but I, am, I am in the middle of... I, the third so, cup run. But I'm like at the Cayman Islands or something like that where you can't get the game, and I'm on a shortwave radio. It's going in and out and in and out. Okay, so... The 
same type of story. 91, the last time the Pirates had a streak where they were really good, right? I'm in um, Spain, and I'm listening to Armed Forces Radio on an AM radio, and I'm moving it around to listen to the, the Braves, Sid Bream, slide across home plate to beat the Pirates the last time they were really good. Obviously, you want to watch it on TV, but there is an excitement on a radio yeah, call. Yeah, it's different. When you hear a big, yeah, there's something exciting yeah. about it. You remember big radio calls, and these guys are so big. Have you seen this guy at the Chris King, the Islander guy? Yeah. They hate him. Yeah. But, man, could, does he call a game winner like it's nobody's business? Yeah, well, I mean, I love it. I, I've always loved radio, and so I, Well, you know, especially if you grew up with it. Like, when you were a kid, you didn't have a TV, and you're at least, you know, for us, you know, didn't have a TV in your room, so you listened to the games on the radio, like, when you were going to bed, and that's how you grew up. Yeah. And so, you know, Krista calls me up, obviously, at the time, you're living the dream that, obviously, you know, Connolly's dream, too, but for every Jewish kid... <laughs> We want to be a pro. I, I, don't, play get to, I don't get to dream like that. Yeah, right? no, but dream I, no, but what I was saying is, is Jewish kids, of course, we dream about being professional athletes, but that rarely happens. So <laughs> no, we kind of dream we're going to own a team one day. And rarely does that happen. So yeah. when you get into the team, did you look for Pittsburgh first? How did that go about? So first, we sold broadcast.com. I'm like, oh, fuck. This is like <laughs> the world just changed, right? And um, someone called me up and said, Mario Lemieux wants to talk to you about the Penguins. I'm like, okay, I'll talk. And I didn't know what to expect, you know, first time. So I, I get to the airport. My, my buddy picks me up in Pittsburgh, and there's all these TV cameras. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and you start to realize this world is a little bit different, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Met with Mario, and there was just all this stuff. And, you know, I wasn't a hockey guy, per se, but it was more about keeping the Penguins in Pittsburgh. And then this guy, Ron Burkle, came in and, and yep. bailed him out. And so that didn't happen. And then I'm a Mav season ticket holder. And I'm sitting at the opening night for the 99-2000 season with my girlfriend, then now my wife. And I'm like, we're undefeated. It's the first <laughs> game of the season, right? It's not a sellout. There's no energy in the building. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I could do such a better job. And then it was like the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, wow, now I can put my money where my mouth is. So I talked to Mark Aguirre. Um, Mavs legend Mark Aguirre, who then connected me to Ross Pro Jr., who only looked at only the team as a real estate investment. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, would you be interested in selling? And he, he, you know, hit me with this super high price, $285 million. <laughs> super high. Yeah, right. And I just said yes, which I knew is just shocking. <laughs> but in, in my mind, like my Yahoo stock was going up a hundred bucks a day. And so I paid for it in one day. So I was like, let's just go and get this over with. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's but yeah. people look at it now. You know, I posted this the other day that it's worth four and a half billion now and people go oh mark's so lucky but the truth is you really are a major part of helping build the nba brand which of course brought the mavericks with you i mean yeah. you made it really cool for the small market teams in my opinion well um, I, I wouldn't take that much credit right but you know luck always plays i mean i'm not gonna lie but at the same time i sure kicked their ass every step of the way right you know i wasn't taking things for granted and i was getting fined right like shit that nobody i mean everybody said just be a fucking owner and shut up right, <laughs> right. And I'm like, no, man, this is a dream. Like you talked about growing every Jewish kid growing up and like I I couldn't even dream that big to possibly own a team. And then when I finally got it, I mean, I was playing one on one with Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, <laughs> come crazy. on now. Like even to this day, you know, before a home game, I'll try to get there a few hours early and just get up shots in my arena before my team playing in a playoff game. 
I mean, it's the coolest you talk about, thing ever. it is the coolest thing ever. And, and I, I try not to pinch myself every day because it's, you know, you never want to take it for granted. I, I, you know, I've met some amazing people, you know, today we announced, you know, sometimes it changes, right? We announced today that Jason we're hired Kidd. Jason Kidd and um, Nico Ham, um, Harrison to be our GM and VP. And so it's a hard business, but just, you know, going from the day, I remember there was one right, right when I first bought the team, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, the way I managed was I was going to connect to everybody. So I wanted to meet the guy, you know, the guys who sit on the floor and they're sitting there, you know, with, and then they run and pick up all the jerseys. They run out, yeah, yeah they, they, they the mops, the board, right? Then right. they pick up the jerseys and put them up, right? And so I got to get to know these guys. Big Al, you know, the players all know. I'm like, so I'm going to sit down there with it. I'm just going to sit on my ass right next to them. No big deal, right? Players, no big deal. <laughs> David Stern calls me up in a panic. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> That's not the way an owner's supposed to act. Literally, I got fined, I think it was $100,000 for conduct unbecoming an owner. For sitting on the floor? For sitting on the floor because I wanted to get to know our equipment guys. But that's what I'm saying. You were, whether you want to be or not, you were a trendsetter. And now it's become the owner is is kind of as cool as some of the players. Well, and, and the part two cool part, right? When Michael Jordan um, bought the Hornets and they said, what kind of owner are you going to be? He goes... I want to be like Mark Cuban. And I'm wow. like, wow. <sighs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's, That's a feather a in the cap. Yeah. That's a good one. That is pretty good. So I, I got We got to ask you a little, you sure. know, a little stressful shit. Lucas, yeah, Lucas my favorite player. That's He's amazing. You know, that's, I mean, what happened with Carlisle? Is that Luca or not? No, it's not. No, no, it's definitely not Luca. Um, I'll tell you exactly what it is. And Rick's a great coach, and I love Rick to death. Um, and we would have this conversation. Kids today, like you grew up with sports, you have your heroes, right? And there's different generations, and all the athletes are different. You know, when you go back and talk to Messier, or look, you know, and t- and he tells stories about the NHL, right? Or Barry Bonds, and in their generation, you know, it was toughness and this and that. Kids today, a 20 year old, 22 year old kid is completely different than a 22 year old was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And relating to them is different. Like somebody was telling me yesterday, actually, it was like there's kids, they have so many inputs and so many distractions and basketball is just one of them. You know, when we were growing up, if you were into sports, you know, it's like the movie Diner, right? Where he quizzes his girlfriend, right? That was what it was about. Right. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, sports is just one part of it, and it's hard to connect to those kids. And it's so funny you said diner because that was such a big influence on Entourage in my life and my career. References for Entourage always, always. Do you feel suckered uh, in the Trey Young Luca trade? (laughs) No, (laughs) what a question. No, you know, I'm happy for both sides. It's amazing that Trey is going where he is, and we were just talking about this. But I think Luca's ceiling. He could eventually be as good as anybody ever. I mean, I, I am obsessed with him. And yeah, I hope wait till you meet goes. him. He is such a good kid, man. You just want his face lights up. People, you know, you can tell when someone has charisma when you they walk into a room and everybody else's face lights up. Right. You know, and that's that's people around. But he's time. chippy too. He's a competitor. Oh no, for sure. You that's know, that's the X factor. He, you just feel like you don't fuck with him. And right. He feels like he's like gonna he's, gonna he's playing a win. Yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. He's all smiles and then he's gonna. Oh kill no, you. no, he'll kill you. Right. right? That's exactly. And is. Kid and him should be a great combination. And that's, that's the exciting. whole point, right? Because Jay's uh, Jason's been a, a player's coach, and he's a point guard, right? right? And you want somebody who can tell Luca where things are going to happen, you know, where we didn't have that person. Yeah. Being a head coach for a team, is it at a certain point you just need to change the scenery? You know, every it, certain that's what that's what people right. say, right? At it, some point, that voice kind of runs silent, and, and guys falls on deaf ears. Right? Yeah, but you know, I like what what Steve Nash has done in Brooklyn, and we kind of emulated that with this hire, where you know they got D'Antoni and 
I'm not saying we're going to hire, you know, a D'Antoni type or whatever. That'll be up to Jay Kidd. But at the same time, you know, you got Nash hugging Durant after that game, right? And, right. and you've got that, you know, Nash is just a, a relationship person. And it used to be, and I used to feel strongly this way, that having an in-games X and O expert gave you the ultimate advantage. But now I think having a relationship person, right, somebody who can connect to the players because that's what gets them to go a little bit harder, right? That's what, you know, when, when the chips are down and every team has a bad run, one way or the other, you want somebody that just is a relationship person. It's not that Rick isn't good at that. He was, but it's just harder to relate to a 22-year-old. Right. right. And so just a thought. On, on Durant for a second. Uh-huh. Uh, Nash, who was on the show. We had Steve I love on Nash. the show. He was a good actor. And Durant, who is a fan of the show, but I love his game so much. I thought, in my opinion, he's one inch away. That shot goes in. In my opinion, it's if he it's wins over. the title this year, which I think it would have been easy for him, it's LeBron, Michael, and and him. Ah, yep. it's, am I, it's am crazy I crazy talk. with that? Yeah. No, no, not at Kobe all. Kobe Bryant? I no, Kobe. no. I mean, yeah, Kobe is Kobe, right? right? KD is KD. Right. And KD doesn't, he's like, a lot like Dirk, right? He's underappreciated because he doesn't do the marketing. He's not out there doing interviews all the time. He's got an edge to I him. I love it. He tells yeah. the press to shut yeah, the fuck up. Yeah, he's, he's got that edge. Oh, he's I can't even built, tell you what he would say to me. Yeah. When, when KD first came into the league, and I would think, I would yell, you're palming the ball, Carl. And he would look <laughs> at me and say some shit I can never repeat. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, you say he's not built for it. I think he's completely built for it. I think he's this generation that yes. says, I don't need the press. I'm going to get on the court. I'm going to score. 48, and it, it's just a shame that he couldn't win that game because he did everything. You know, I, I even anywhere. DM'd him saying, man, you're amazing, and, and he was like, thank you, brother. But you're right, because, you know, media changed. It used to be you had to have relationships with media in order for your voice to be heard. Now, the media kind of kisses your ass because you already have a voice, Yeah, and you can control the message as much as you want to, and you know, and if you've got an edge to you like KD does, um, he's, he's that passive-aggressive who's going get, to get his message out the way he wants to. I have a media question for you. Obviously, uh-huh. you're very media savvy, and, and <laughs> I don't want to get into, like, bashing Skip Bit, whatever. Yeah, but you which showed up on, <laughs> So Mark shows up on first take, and I guess it was, it was you guys, you guys was it the year you guys won? Was no, it? it was the year after. Okay, year so it was the year after, and the way I read it is they're doing their thing, the Skip Bayless, and first take, and they're trashing whatever player for doing whatever, and Mark says, all right, you know what? I'm coming in. Well, well the, the right? first step, first step is... I put up a, a picture of my son who was two at the time, right? And it's just him, you know, my little two-year-old. And it was something to the effect of, I know basketball or something like that. And I'm like, my son knows more about basketball than Skip Bayless. <laughs> so obviously then they invite me on. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get sabotaged, right? Blasted something. Him. Crushed him. I kept oh, on God. waiting for like, you know, he's got to be hot. I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're, they're going to pull out the hammer and come after me at some time. Even Stephen A., was quiet. It not was a shocking. word out of not his mouth. Not a word. Well, I think Skip. Did you ever see it? I, I did see oh, it. I, I think Skip. Rewatch that one. We're going to run that as a social clip. But you it's know what the difference is? Skip is, in my opinion, he's performing and yes, he's planning 100%. and you're being yes. you and that's yes. why it works that's and why that's why you beat them. And but that's, you, looked, you looked pissed. You looked pissed. And <laughs> oh, he, yeah. you keep it to, I mean, except during games, maybe you look emotional. But for the most part, you got a pretty chill. good poker yeah, face. Chill. You were, you, were, you were bent out of shape on first take. Yeah, it was like one of those things where, you know, when you go into some place, you're not sure what the rules are but you're ready for war right right and you're thinking in your mind okay what are they going to ask me is this going to be an ambush interview or whatever and you're ready and so i was i was ready to fight right and they just kept on throwing me softballs you know and so i just okay 
Let me just bang Skip, that shit. Skip Bayless said something along the lines of, did LeBron not listen to me? <laughs> something like he, Skip Bayless, and whatever. He, he's fun to watch. He can listen. Yeah, he's an entertainer. He's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's doing his job. Skip Bayless is Skip Bayless. I'm not going to But the, the notion that LeBron James would be and watching that's what I first said, right? take and go to Skip Bayless, oh, you know what? He's right. I got to start <laughs> taking that ball into the paint. Like, and really, I'll, Skip? And he believed it. And Mark is like, are you, are you crazy? I'm like, Skip, nobody listens to you. No one listens <laughs> to you. Certainly not LeBron. LeBron, yeah, taking, right. yeah, you really changed the. You turned LeBron's game around. Skip. Well, if you watch now, I mean, Stephen A. is on a on a Ben Simmons tirade. It's yeah. day after day yeah. after day yeah. of yeah. killing yeah. this kid. Yeah, it was, look, he's Australian. <laughs> you know, he didn't. Uh, he's he tough right? like this. What do you think of Ben Simmons? I think he's a great player, right? And I've seen lots of guys, you know, things get in their head, and that that just motivates them. And I think that's what's going to happen. You know, it's funny. I saw clips of Ben Simmons when he came, um, when he got drafted and played in summer leagues. And he was jacking up shots and making them. I saw before the season started, he was taking the threes. threes, And I'm like, oh, if this guy can shoot, game over. Like, then you got real problems. guys mature at different times, right? right. You know, and, you know, it was funny because he was talking – because during the the pandemic, I had to sit in a certain place with my mask on and everything away from everybody. And it was right underneath the basket. And Joe, somebody was shooting a free throw, and Ben was right there, and he says to me, I can guard anybody, and they can't guard me. I'm like, right. okay, Ben, okay. <laughs> but he's confident, right? He's just got to get through that, whatever that inhibitor is that he's got shooting the ball, but he will, yeah. right? Because it, there's you just can't stay that way. And, and even the worst shooters in the NBA get shots up. Yeah, you know? and they get better. And I they mean, get better. You know, yeah. Carl Malone became this amazing shooter and, and free-through yes. shooter, you know? Look, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I was talking to somebody on the Spurs who said they were playing pickup with Kawhi Leonard when they first drafted him. Jeez. And they just traded George Hill, who was, you know, an up-and-coming star. He literally, George George Hill beat the Mavs by himself in, like, 2009. And um, they're like, we're playing pickup with Kawhi, and he can't shoot. Right, <laughs> can't shoot at all. That's amazing. Well, he was trying to not shoot. In no, the I, he was when not he, when, he, when he, he came. Shoot, but when he, he came into about. the league, he was not a scorer. He was this defensive specialist. Yeah, man, he can get to the basket. He yep. was a slasher. Right? Yeah, right. So we're playing um, the Clippers in the playoffs, and I get there early to shoot, and I stick around because um, Kawhi comes out to work out. And I said this to some more guys: every t- every place that you have seen him take a shot in an NBA game or a playoff game. That's the only places he worked on his game. And he did it for 35, 40 minutes, right baseline, um, elbow, straightaway three, left elbow, left baseline. Bam, 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 bam. And then some guys contesting, so he got used to, I mean, like a machine. It's amazing. He is a machine. And watching him, you just go, every time he has the ball, he can do whatever he wants. It's really bizarre. With a guy like Ben Simmons, at what point does it a change just that is a change of scenery necessary and can that f- help him yeah. find what it is that you're talking yeah because about? like any business like you guys with entourage right you guys are best friends know each other but you also piss each other off a lot yeah right? you know more yeah. on this podcast than ever <laughs> yeah right <laughs> a couple just... close calls in here mark over the last year <laughs> with julius randall on the air too. oh really we dylan, dylan was at a three-way julius fight julius randall was sitting in this chair and doug and dylan were exchanging words it was super <laughs> awkward we ended up cutting it out thank god but it was... well julius the dallas guy man yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a sweet too. kid, Julius. Oh, no, he's a good kid. So anyway, so yeah. Yeah, so you get on each other's nerves, and there's a dynamic that develops. And, you know, they bring in a new coach. You don't bring in a new coach with that team unless there's something going on, right? So I'm not going to – you know, I can't talk about other teams' player in terms of trade other than to say, you know, it happens 
where sometimes a change of scenery for any player. Anybody. I mean, look at Nash, my biggest mistake, right? Nash yes. leaves the Mavs. Yep. My medical staff is saying, you know, he had gone from 32 minutes a game to 29 minutes a game, and we thought that might keep on going lower. He busted his ass to prove us wrong and becomes a two-time MVP. Yeah, yes. Hall of Famer. And uh, just on a side note, I know you can't talk real trades and stuff, but since we had a big hand in helping your TV career, Luca, <laughs> yes, Luca on the Knicks with Julius Randle would change everything. Doug is a Sad Knicks fan, Mark. He's a, just, he's but a that's what Julius Knicks. needs. He needs a point guard, you know, like a real point guard. That yeah, can, I mean, know. it's not going to be Luca. I know. Yeah, it's not going to be Luca. <laughs> it's not be Luca. Well, uh, let, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on guys? Cha- like, I look at a guy like Damian Lillard, right? Uh-huh. Who he just leaves it out. I mean, what a, have a guy like that on your team? Clearly, he likes Portland. He wants to win in Portland. Is it okay at some point to go? Hey guys, I gotta. I'm. I'm. The, the end is near. I gotta make a run at a at a chip. Yeah, I mean, all guys do that. Right. All guys make those decisions on their careers, and they earn that right. They earn that right. I mean, I think everyone's got to do what they got to do. Durant got all this, you know, like, if I could play with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond, (laughs) I would do it, too. I don't care if I was the best in the world or not. I mean, why wouldn't you? So let's move off of of sports and and go back to your beginning of your media career. We want to do get into Shark Tank. Uh But you come on to Entourage. You've never acted, correct? Not for real, no. So what did you feel intimidated? Did you feel comfortable? So I took acting classes when I came to L.A. at one point because I wanted to meet girls. And so <laughs> I just kept to remember what my, my, the guy's name was Aaron Spizer, who still has his acting thing, right? And he used to talk about, you know, just be yourself, right? Be conversational and don't act. And, you know, and because the hardest part going into there was my fear of not memorizing my line. And you were cool. You're like, just get close, right? Just get, <laughs> yeah. the, just get the point across. And once you said that, then it got easy. Right. right, but I was terrified initially. You yeah. were awesome. I well, mean, you know, I directed two of those episodes, right? And the other thing I remember, I, I this is a funny story. A, you let us shoot on your plane, which is right, which nice. is good, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know that's it's a personal thing, right? You, you look, at, you listen, you, you guys don't want a camera crew anywhere near your house or right. anything that right. you want. Never mind, you know, at the plane. So it was a little, and I remember you had your BlackBerry, and I was like, <laughs> you're like, where should I sit? And I was like, well, where do you sit? And you're like, right there. When I'm, I lay here on my back and type on my BlackBerry. I go. There it is. So if you watch the scene, you're like you're chilling on the there. couch, like typing on your BlackBerry, yep. you know? So that was, uh, yeah. Well, that's the cool. thing. We, wa- we wanted you to be as you as yeah, you could be, and of you course. were, and it gave us a good thing, which then you come back for the movie, which I got to throw this out and we'll transition into Shark Tank. But Saigon, do you remember what Saigon pitched you? No. Dude wipes. Essentially. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He mentioned that, that's right? right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's Saigon. Dude wipes killing it. Uh, Saigon may sue you. Now, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Everyone tells me, like, why don't you get the lawsuits out for all the products that came? But the truth is, as we're going to talk about, I got my mush, which Connolly makes fun of me I, all I the just, time. I just feel like you're here for a half an hour, and then you wait, and then you chew into the microphone. That's I get awesome. tired. I'm you talking. I, it, you it need energy. your energy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's great product. But, wait, but while it. we're on products, let me just tell you, I can't count on many times people ask me how much money I made off of Avion. Right? <laughs> Do I really own? Yeah, do I really own Avion? To this day, people, if I'm in a club or in a restaurant, people will send me shots of Avion. And I'm like, I hate tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, though, when we had dinner in Dallas, because I had Ken Austin, the real Ken Austin, who Bob Odenkirk played, they talked to you because I wasn't involved in in going investing, but they were like, Do you want to invest in this? And I think you were kind of like, I'm just acting, man. Yeah, I'm not 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 an investor. I'm having a good time. That's exactly what I said. I don't want to get into having a business discussion right here. So, but when we, we get 
into Shark Tank because Connolly and I are both obsessed. I've seen every episode multiple times, and I have every product. I mean, the mush is one. Right. The Supergirl, the right. the back brace, the chirp wheel, the, the home pod. <laughs> yeah, are those all? Was the back brace on Shark Tank? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doug, he does. He comes yeah. in, and he rocks all these products. I'm saying, Doug, it sounds like we're doing ad reads, and we're not. He just really likes the products. I like the products. The thing with the mush. It's, it's, it makes that, it more right? authentic. So, you know, um, but I came to visit the set. Yep. Remember, I brought J.J. Yep. Watt down there yep. a couple Absolutely. years ago before he was, you know, big enough to not need me to call you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Shark Tank happens, and A, what were you expecting? Then I want to okay, just so hear I'll tell you the backstory, yeah. right? So they call me in, like, 2009, and I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. They send me copies of the show, and I'm watching it, and it didn't work out. They picked who they picked, right? Then I'm up in L.A. hanging out with my friends in Manhattan Beach, and I just get blasted with them, right? And then I get a text, you know, tomorrow morning, can you come in and audition? So I had to audition, what? right? It was just cool, right? And they're tossing me questions on how I'm going to answer it. So, and this was 2010. And so I'm thinking, okay, it's on ABC. The show is bouncing around. One night it's on Tuesday night. The next time, you know, it's a replacement for Desperate Housewives. And it's not going to last. It's like a summer show, right? Like a summer filler. Yeah, it's a fill-in, right? It's not going to last. So they bring me on. They bring Jeff Foxworthy on as a guest, right? He does three episodes. They bring me on as a guest for three episodes. And I'm like, this shit's not going to last. So I'm just going to buy up everything. And I'm just going to raise hell. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay, do you want to come back? And then the next year is when it took off. Right. It's weird because initially it felt like the businesses and the products were kind of bullshit. And then it started getting real. 100%. 100%. You're yep. exactly right. Because when I first was on there, there were some dumbass products, right? And that, and they just, people didn't know the show. And so they had to go out and literally beg companies to come on. You know, there's one where you insert something in your ear and it sends these brain waves. It's just like <laughs> ridiculous that. shit, right? I remember that episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, my friend was on from, from that I grew up with. He's not my friend anymore. I haven't seen him in forever, but great guy, Howie Bush. Do you remember the dude robe? <laughs> the dude robe. The dude robe. It was basically just a clearly robe for Mark dudes. Getting, clearly Mark. Mark was don't out remember, on that one. yeah. Don't guys, I wonder if you sat that one out, but basically, uh, you guys just kind of abused him. And then he said he was an uh, Under Armour lawyer, and they offered him <laughs> stock, and he didn't take it instead of salary. And you guys were like, "What? I did." But there's some great dumb ones too. There was one guy had bedhead, right? Which you can do so many things with, right? So I'm dying the whole time, and literally, it was like a shower cap that you know when you wake up in the morning and your hair is all funky, and <laughs> you might take a shower, but you don't have time to take a shower, so you fill it with water, roll it, put it on your head, undo. Now it's like you took a shower and only your head got wet, right? <laughs> Bedhead. And I'm like, it's brilliant. You know, I didn't do a deal. What, one of the things that I, I saw, I'm always one of those guys, when I wash my hands in a bathroom of a public place, I stare at the door handle and go, I just, <laughs> washed, my, I just washed my hands. <laughs> this fucking, the dirtiest door handle I in always the world. Take, I always take the, the Well, thing I'll use the, the paper uh, towel yeah. right. or you, you do something. And on Shark Tank, there it is, the foot stopper. Where they <laughs> right, basically when, right. put, you, the, you, you bolt it to the bottom of the door, you put your foot on it, you <laughs> get a Fucking yeah. whip back and the door opens. I'm yep. like, that's the the easiest and greatest idea I've ever heard. And now I feel like I see them everywhere. You guys got that? They sold. They made. A I sale don't even there, right? know. I have no idea. The door right? stopper. I've seen thousands. But of in those. the real world, uh-huh. have these investments been successful for you? So of the eighty plus, it's probably over a hundred now. I've lost count. I'd say twenty, twenty five percent, maybe thirty percent have been sold or crushed it or are crushing it. Probably the same percent, maybe a little bit less, are just turned out to be morons, right? And just were fucked. 
fuck-ups. And then in the middle, they're grinding still. You know, some of them are doing well, you know, and paid me back my money two or three times over. Others are just like, you know, just covering the bills and still hoping to make it. My best one was a company called Cycloramic. And they came on with an app that worked on an iPhone 5. And that's when the the bottom of an iPhone 5 was flat. And it was an app you downloaded, and it made the, the sensors made the iPhone yeah, rotate, turn, rotate yep. into a panoramic picture. Well, when they changed the iPhone, they had to pivot, right? But these guys had a lot of um, video expertise, and they went into computer vision and really advanced stuff and got into working with car companies and online sales companies so that, you know, when you wanted to buy a car online, all their video that they would do was done by this company. And they got bought by Carvana like three years ago. Most of it was in stock, and the stock was 18 at the time, and now it's like $280. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's an oh, my God. So now, did you see something in him specifically? Uh Because that's what I think is interesting about you. I think you, and I love all of them, by the way. I've met a couple of them, but you seem to see the real tech technology behind some of this stuff and get into it when nobody else is looking at it. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll I'll go for a big deal on this one. So have you found other ones like that where you really found some great guys that you could do other stuff with uh, as opposed to just their company? I mean, there's there's been a lot of them. um, But in terms of of tech, that's been my best technology one. There's one... um, Mesh tech, and they do this thing called mesh networks using low power Bluetooth, and now they're moving into you know these diversified. So you know how um, they started out with lights in your front yard and how you would connect them because you couldn't put them on Wi-Fi or anything, and so they use Bluetooth to connect them. And now that expanded to houses, that expanded to businesses. Now they're licensing that, and so they're growing. It took them a while, but they're growing and and doing really crazy stuff. And then they're doing some crypto stuff now. Um, with tokens, so it's it's really cool. All right, good. Well, as long as you brought up right, crypto, crypto, right? Why not? Right? Why not? Right? Why not? You know, yeah, I, I mean, an old friend of mine was at the center of the GameStop stuff. He was one of the big short sellers that. Oh, he everyone, got crushed. What? Uh, uh, he's know, in hiding. I mean. No, no, no. No, he's he he's made so much money and he's done well. I think I introduced you to him once upon a time. Actually, Andrew left, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I know yeah, Andrew. Yeah. 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 So yeah, he's absolutely. he's done great and he's yeah. doing fine. But um, Andrew is a a, sh- a short selling legend. Yeah. So, he really is. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I introduced him to Connolly 20 years ago. I mean, we had his name on the show season two or three, like we pretended an agent was him. (laughs) But we're trying to figure out the world. We actually have um, an artist that did work for the show, that Mm -hmm. not work for the show. His art was on the show. He was a great artist, this guy, Bua. So he called me up. He said, I want to do an NFT for you guys. Okay, Uh I like the podcast. I like the show. I... I'm having trouble getting this. Can you give me the dumb guy's explanation of this? Sure. I mean, it's just a digital collectible. Put aside all the technology. If you think about, you know, back when phones didn't have quite as much storage, probably the hardest time in a person's life was having to figure out what to delete when they were running out, right? Because it's like, I can't delete this picture. For kids in particular, um, digital files, digital assets are more valuable in their lives than anything else. You know, where we grew up with a baseball card, right? If I had my Willie Stargell, my Roberto Clemente, my Dave Parker, you know, to me, that's the ultimate. I still have some of them. But a digital version of that is just much more efficient because I can, if, for an NFT of a card, let's say, or a top shot, right, uh, for the NBA, I can look at it on my phone. I actually created a company called Lazy.com. So mm-hmm. if you want to see my NFTs, Lazy.com slash yep. MQ. I looked. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I got some cool stuff on there, some junk. But um, but it's really easy for me just to show it to anybody. I can put it on my TV. I can do anywhere. Whereas with a card, if it has any real value, it's in a safety it, safety deposit that's box, exactly right? right. <laughs> and if you're trying to sell it, you got to package it. You got to grade it. You got to ship it. You got to hope they receive it. You got to hope they don't rip you off. You know, 
there's no friction in buying and selling. NFTs. So you don't think you need an attachment of a physical item as no, well? No, kids are different, right? Because if I get it on my phone, and look, you know, it's like the Entourage soundtrack on MP3. It still sounds just as good and it's just as important. You don't need an LP. You don't need a CD, right? right? You don't need a DVD for movies anymore that still has value. And this is the same thing. So if you put aside the technology part of it, you can bust it out at dinner. Be like, hey, you can be in the club right. being like, You can buy a Mona Lisa, right? You ain't putting it on your wall, <laughs> right. right? And even if it's something like, um, you know, maybe it's a cast picture and you got it blown up and, and it's on over your couch, right? 20 people are seeing it. That's, That's it, true. right? Well, maybe I'm going to show you this Bua picture. Maybe you'll pay a couple of million bucks for it. <laughs> I'm not yeah, saying I'm paying a million dollars <laughs> He's for it. here. He ain't paying a million dollars for anything. But I, I do go know. around and I buy them. Like, there's a company I invest in, Mintable.app, and the, they do, like, low-cost NFTs. And lots of times you'll see, like, really talented artists. And if I buy an NFT, it's because I like the work. Right. Right? You know, so I might spend $20 or $200, you know. And with $200 for an artist is incredible, particularly when they're they're unheard of, and get some work that I think is really amazing. So it's all what it sells for. So we could do an NFT and it sells or it doesn't. Yeah, well, everything is all what it sells for, but uh, you know, I'm just. But I'm saying somebody out... could pay 200 bucks. Somebody could pay 200. Yeah, and really 200 million. You... Yeah, well, you saw nobody's crazy... paying 200 million of a picture of you. <laughs> yeah. I can assure you that. You know, when, when NFTs really started to hit, it was interesting because there was more demand from tech geeks who were into that than there was supply. So literally, I I put stuff out there that I like. I just wanted to test it. So I went to Mintable and then Rarible, and I, I took a picture of me walking into the arena to work out, <laughs> thinking nobody's going to want to buy it. Sold 10 of them for 25 bucks a piece in Ether. I'm like, this is crazy. But the crazier part is, and what really got me excited was with NFTs, they use this thing called smart contracts. So you can assign a royalty. So when I... When I posted this NFT, and this works for all NFTs, I said, I want a 25% royalty anytime it's resold. And so the collectors that come in, this is early in the game. This is February, I think. And there's buying and selling, buying and selling, buying. Every time I'm making 25%, I'm going, oh, shit, this is amazing. And you can pass that down to your kids. How do you do that? Like, is yeah. that generational? Like, what Yeah. Do do? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, presuming that people are buying and selling it, you know, yeah, and someone doesn't, doesn't hold it. But, you know, and it's just a proof of concept. The collectible side is, I mean, imagine textbooks. You know, like there's no good reason to have physical textbooks anymore, but they do it because publishers don't make money on resale if you go all digital. But now with this, they'll go digital because if I have my marketing 101 college textbook, you know, physical books, you got to take it to the used bookstore or go buy it. It's a pain That's in a, the nightmare. It's a nightmare. I, I would just say, listen, I'll, I'll just, no, I'm not going to study. I, I right, right. I'm not going to get a book. I did this that many book, times, I'm right? I did that many times. I think all three of us did. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but it's also that brings me to crypto, which I guess is similar. You said uh, recently gold is, is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And so Bitcoin is for real to you. Yeah, Bitcoin is digital gold, right? Supply and demand is undefeated, right? As long as there's a market for something, you know, and people see it as a store of value. I mean, what use is gold anyways? There's some, you know, there's some industrial uses in computers and stuff, but that's like 7% of the market, right? Then there's jewelry. Now, you happen to like gold, great, but you don't need it, right? It's just all perception, just supply and demand. Bitcoin, you know, and then if you want to actually own gold, no one takes delivery on it. So it's effective. If you buy gold, you know, as an investment, it's effectively digital anyways. Right, but you're not lugging around gold bars. No, no one, and it's useless, right? If you had a gold bar, someone's just going to take your gold bar, right? <laughs> you get robbed. You're going to get robbed, right? Whereas with, with Bitcoin, it doesn't have a lot of utility, right? It's not a currency or anything, even though some people try to make it. But it's just a store of value. And because there's a scare, it's algorithmic scarcity. They're only going to make 21 million of it. As long as more people buy it, the price is going up. When more people sell it, the price goes down. But slow, like gold, you know, as long as people hold it, 
in some manner, the price is going to go up. And right. that just makes it simpler. And if you want to sell, it takes like three seconds. And then there's all the other crypto, which I think is just game changing. It's, it's, it's just wild. The world is changing this. so fast. I'm trying. So It's like the early days of the internet. Literally, like I don't even look at regular stocks anymore. They're boring, right? I look at crypto applications. Not not so much tokens, like, okay, which token's going up, which token's going down. I've played that game, won some, lost some. But the applications you can build, whether it's NFTs, like I got involved with this insurance application for weather um, insurance. Like, if you know, you just go online and you say, okay, if the weather in Dallas in this zip code falls below zero degrees and you have four inches of precipitation, meaning it's snowed more than Dallas has seen, I'm willing to pay this much to get this much coverage. Don't have to talk to anybody. If I want to borrow money, like, you know, I got a good relationship with my bankers, but if I want to borrow $2 million, I got to go fill paperwork out, get all these approvals. If I have $4 million in crypto and I want to borrow $2 million, I go to a site like Ave.com, A-A-V-E. I already have the collateral. It takes me 30 seconds and I can it's, borrow it's it. It's crazy. As opposed to sitting down at the bank. Yeah, and dealing with it in. and all that shit, right? So personal wow. banking changes dramatically. So, Mark, before we let you go, and maybe Kevin has other things. Kevin has started out. He's, he was an actor, Emmy-nominated, Golden Globe-nominated. Now he started this business. And <laughs> let's say Kevin okay. wants well, to go. Well, this is where Doug and I have been going back and forth. Okay. This is where the Shark Tank comes Yeah, from. I mean, and I'm, I'm not involved in this. But Kevin, let's say, he wants to grow this business. Yeah. He wants to come in front of the tank. And he comes in. What? Go and ahead, just, Kevin. Okay, so just for numbers sake, I'm okay. going to say I'm looking for $1,000 for 10% of the company. Why don't you go right. for a real number? Well, okay. Because well, I'd give you $1,000 for 10%. Say, by, the way, <laughs> by the way, Mark might go write you a check for $5 million. So, so assuming <laughs> you're like you're interested in the in the premise. And I say, all right, I want I want a million dollars for 10% of the company. What would be the first three questions that, that you I ask, ask me. what are your sales is number one. What's your audience size? Number two, how come you're not 10 times that size? Number three. And are you growing? Is that a, Well, that's the that, whole thing. How yeah. come you're not 10 times that right, size? Right, right. And are you shocked, just going back to Shark Tank again, I'm now stunned when I'm people- thinking deep, I'm thinking about the answers to those questions. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, you got we'll, to. We'll get to you there in a second. But what, uh, that you're thinking, what I'm stunned by is people, the amount of people that come on Shark Tank, knowing that you're going to ask questions like this, and they still don't have the answers. Yeah. They don't know their numbers. And I'll tell you what makes it even worse. The producers because it's television right you know you don't want to be there yeah they make them practice like during the pandemic last year they literally had to sit in the room and quarantine for eight to eleven days so they were all time but they had time to practice yeah Yeah. not to run their business though from the quarantine you guys how could you get tripped up on that question well i think do you think people freeze i mean yeah oh we have one guy faint they they didn't make it (laughs) 25 percent of the people who pitch us don't even make it on air my friend Tyler Thompson is a very successful movie producer. He owns Cross Creek Pictures. His uncle was on. I'm, I'm blanking what his product was. It was like a boxing thing. Oh, yeah. We, well, you, you, you guys made him cry. Well, right. The one that had the different things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You punched it and I went up there and punched it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't bad. And it's doing well now, I think. Oh, is it? it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was a great product, but the pitch he didn't have the answer. Yeah, the yeah. pitch wasn't there. And no, the big miss was the, was the ring, right? Ring? No, that I, the, that wasn't a miss at all. The way he presented it, so you talk about my investing um, perspective. Like, so let me just tell everybody, Ring, two things come to this. Ring is obviously, you know, the doorbell thing. Right. Pitched on Shark Tank, was worth a billion dollars. Before Shark Tank, Andrew Left and I sat with him in Vegas where he was looking for a little bit of money. And yeah, I would it just, just sounds like it. a terrible idea. I was just looking. <laughs> honestly, I didn't have any opinion. I was looking at Andrew. If Andrew said, let's do it, I would have been like, all right, let's so do I, it. I'm a loser too. But you know. So it wasn't called Ring at that point in time. I forget what it was called, but it was just what the product is now. And the whole thing coming on was 
marketing, right? It was really a marketing company. It wasn't a technology company. And sometimes in those cases, you're going to have to spend $100 million to do $25 million in business, you know? And that, and, and that's what ended up with Ring, right? You know, they got bought by Amazon, but they had raised $400 plus million. And if, for that type of business, if I'm giving them, I think you wanted seven hundred fifty grand for 10%, I'm getting diluted to nothing, Right. So my 1% might have been worth, you know, my 750K might have been worth $2 million, which is fine. But the whole time. But you didn't miss a billion. I didn't miss a billion. Right. I I probably did. Um, So (laughs) a few times. So Connolly. You got I, I, the tank I, right I, here. This I, is I, it. I, Come on. The good news is I could answer all those questions. Yeah. <laughs> you Thankfully. look nervous, though, by the no, way. For well, a, I, I, was, I was thinking, yeah. I mean, what, would, what are the first questions that can no, I No, no. So, but I'm just saying, do you, do you want oh, you I have, have any I'm interest in getting Mark involved in this business? <laughs> it doesn't. Listen, we're here. We're recreational. This is just fun. All right, this is well, like them But podcast business is hard. But podcast business is hard. It is hard. It's a grind. It's a grind, right? People think, you know, they get all excited. They got the connections. They're good interviewers, right? Great personalities. But bringing people in the preparation and then because you don't really have numbers yep that's the problem but wait i got an answer so i'm an investor in a company called fireside chat that's getting ready to launch and i'll connect you with fallon if you want and a big part of what they're doing is you can do an audio thing like this they'll have video where you can simulcast to all the different platforms twitch youtube etc but it's the difference is it's tactile. So this is where I came in and, and helped them out. And so, like, when you're doing this, we could be telling the best jokes, but you don't have that tactile feel, right? right. You don't know until people say, I love the show, or didn't. And even then, you still aren't real sure. And so if you can invite people into the studio, and while you're talking on your podcast or sh- video on your podcast, there's buttons so they can boo, they can cheer, they a can clap. A little advanced clubhouse. I thought wow. clubhouse was going to be a big thing. I don't know anymore, but yeah, it sounds really Yeah, that's exactly really cool. right. Yeah, so. Because you want that. It's like yeah. if you're doing stand-up comedy and you don't have an audience, there ain't no stand-up comedy, right? Because right? right. you can't read the room. Right. So if Doug and I were doing a podcast, people could boo or cheer based right. on what we were talking about? Exactly oh, God, right. Could you imagine And that you thing? have all the numbers, right? So we give you all the numbers. So first, because you can do it live, you can get that tactile feel, then you know exactly how many people you invited to be in the room. Second, if it's on demand, they're hearing. It's not a laugh track because it's more interactive. It's not garbagey laugh tracks like television. And third, you're going to get all the data. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. I love I love that. So, so you know what your business is doing. Also, too, at this point, what's happening is the social media aspect of it. You can now, with your podcast and your social, sell your ads. It's it's ever changing. It's mm-hmm. a bit of the wild west in the podcast still. world. Still a bit of the wild. Yeah, west. because it's 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 a very wide industry, but not a very deep industry. Right. Right. And so you've got everybody looks at Joe Rogan, a couple of the others, and I say, okay, that's the holy grail. Let's get big. You know. Um, but he was there at the beginning, right? Yep. And, and that was a huge advantage. He for spoke him. to the wall for three years. Yes, exactly he was talking right. to nobody. And to your point earlier, Doug, he did it because he liked it. Yeah. And Corolla, too. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Adam, know. same thing. Yeah. Same thing. But, you know, now the hardest part of podcasting is you don't really know what your business is doing. And that's the crazy part. So you've got to love it, first of all. You've right. got to enjoy it like you guys do. But that's what Fireside is trying to do. And Clubhouse hasn't solved that yet. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Clubhouse four months ago, I thought was going to take over the world, and now I, it feels dead to me. Well, yeah, know. now now it's you know it's hustle porn. Yeah, you know you got all the people. Oh, what the hell did they call it? Where, where you know people are trying to establish names for themselves in all these different areas. There's no curation, you know. So you want to go someplace where there's curation, so that you're not around the people. You know, buy this token, crypto token. You know, or you know, invest in housing and real estate. You don't know who you're listening to. Yeah, and you don't even know who you're next to. You know, it's almost like that YouTube problem for a long time. You know, for advertisers, you you your ad could show up with garbage, and and it reflects on your brand, and you know. Your brand is everything with the podcast because it's you. It's you personally. Right. right. 
So, all right. Well, Mark, this was awesome. But last thing I'm going to bring to you is um, everybody's telling me to ask you, what what are you going to do in this reboot that Kevin Dillon is so desperate to have? Are you back for the Entourage reboot now? That yes. You're, now that you're a bigger star than all of us combined, he might, he might, he might, he uh, might, he might slide in above me on that call sheet. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> At this point. You know what, Doug? I owe you guys so much, right? Because you gave me so much. Whatever you want. When you asked me about this, you you know, you said you put something on social, and it was like, bam. So whatever you guys need, I'm in. I love you for that, and yeah, I appreciate got, it. Loyal and uh, Doug, Doug says to me, uh, we on the last podcast, I'm like, well, we, let's wait. We don't. We want to announce it. Let's wait till he gets here. He goes, what do you mean, wait till he gets here? Mark will be. Here oh hell yeah! At, at well, I said not that I was arrogant to say that you would do what I said, but I said when Mark says he's going to be there, he's right. going to oh, be there. We're not getting a, a call. Like, no, no, I'm not one of those yeah, guys. He's got right? sniffles today. Oh my god! You'd no, be I know. I'm not surprised at all. Like yeah. thirty minutes, like yeah. thirty minutes of, uh, of yeah, an hour of session is a lot. And Mark was right on time, but also Kevin is texting me earlier. We've had some issues with parking here. Charlie uh-huh. Sheen's car got locked in Charlie the garage Sheen, across Charlie the street. Sheen had, Charlie Sheen came here, did the podcast. He was a little out, out of his comfort zone. Right. He realized that we were friendly. Right. He hung out. He goes across. His car is locked in the parking lot. And he lives in Malibu. He and Ubers, Uber by the way, in L.A. are Malibu. dead. Uber right now, is, yeah, is over in L.A. Half hour to an hour yeah. right, to get him. And yeah. then so, he had to Uber back in the morning to get, <laughs> get the car. Oh, that's brutal. But so Connolly texts me before. He's like, tell Mark we got a spot up front from him. I'm like, I, I you, called, yeah, I called Kev, yeah. But do you, I'm like, do you think Mark Cuban is driving himself here yeah, in a parking lot? Yeah, and there he was. He Mark comes. Cuban pulls up regularly. Yeah, I've got a place in Manhattan Beach, and I keep an old junker car. It's not, I mean, 2017 or whatever Lexus, right? Yeah. Because I just like that feel of getting in my own car and not having to deal with somebody asking me questions or whatever. But honestly, that's what I love about you, and I think that's what everybody does. They feel your authenticity. They feel it's not a put-on, and you are... You, listen, you're living the dream that we all want to do. I'm motherfucker in the world, man, and I don't want to ever take it for granted. I, I mean, what it. you guys did for me, you know, was awesome. Well, Absolutely, positively awesome. Well, we feel the same it way, fun, and I'm wishing you the best, because I was rooting hard for... I, I just... I love... I like the Mavs. I love Dirk, and I've loved the team for a long time, yep. even though I'm a Knicks guy. If you play the Knicks, that's a different <laughs> no, issue, I but I, I was rooting and for you It was fun guys. talking sports, but you guys are still mostly hockey guys. I, I, no, no. I'm, I'm a huge basketball guy. But how, yeah. You know, my, my oldest love was uh, the Islanders, but, I mean, I'm a... Bernard King was my no, hero real, growing up, and, and I did, which hopefully you saw, the, the doc on the Knicks, yes. which is when the Garden yes. was Eden that Rappaport yep. directed. So, But anyway, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. We can't thank you enough for thank doing this. Thank and, you uh, so much. And Kevin Dillon, you may be replaced if Mark's in Manhattan Beach Listen, with Alexis. Wait, Kevin, here Kevin who? <laughs> <laughs> which Kevin are you talking about? Yeah, we got him for the reboot. Dillon, you are on the way out. Thank he can play Vince, much. by the way. Play, Mark Cuban right? can totally play Vince. Aquaman, here I come. He and Ari are going to represent Mark Cuban. I like it. I like it. I love it. Well, thanks so much. Thank and guys, much. we'll be back. Victory of the Podcast. Follow uh, me at Hollywood Ways and Kevin Collins. new podcast at a competing I got a network. second one going. At a competing I like network, Mark. At a competing wait till network. I get, wait till I get you on Fireside. You guys are going to blow all that it shit may, off. It may go to Fireside now. <laughs> okay, by the way, so, so, Mark, this is fun. Sorry. I know we ended the show. That's all right. My brother owns Podcast One. Uh-huh. Okay, it's a so, weird conflict of interest because this is not podcast. But also, Connolly, he didn't really, which is fine. He doesn't, I don't think he really views me as talent still. That's so he didn't really try to keep <laughs> me here. Talent-ish. I was like, listen, my brother wants me to do it there. He's like, eh, do whatever you want. I don't, you <laughs> well, know. it's his brother. They, they always come back. They always come back. They well, they come, come back. back. Well, the thing that people see here that Kevin's done so well, and it's why I brought him, he thinks I was trying to steal it. I brought people who want to give him money. You walk into this place. Down, 
you feel a great vibe oh, yeah. and a great energy, and, and it's a good place. And I think Kevin, I've been here before, too. Well, it used to be Kits I, and Kids. No, it wasn't that, because I, I, <laughs> I remember the bar and the alcohol. You know, did was, you come in here? I mean, no, not with well. you guys. It was before you guys. No, I built this. Oh, you did? I okay, it wasn't the same place. Kevin Still. wants to say it, though. He, this is what he would do on Shark Tank. <laughs> Kevin literally built this. I mean, That's on cool. his hands and knees. With no, the I knocked out the walls. I did everything. No, it's beautiful. So one night, I don't know if you remember this, Mark. This is going back 10 years. Somehow, I don't know where we are. But Mark and I are going out to a club. Mark Cuban and you? Yeah, Mark Cuban. I didn't even, where was my fucking invite? (laughs) Jesus. So it's Mark and his buddy, and we, one of me and my buddies, we go to, we go to the club, we sit down, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take this check on the chin, right? Whatever it is, whatever he wants. Let's us shoot on the plane. Let's him like, hey, what do you, you know what Mark ordered from the waitress? A bottle of Jack Daniels. I'm like, this guy's a cheap date. I'll pick up his tab anytime. I'm like, Mark, he's looking at the menu. I'm like sweating, (laughs) thinking that he's going to say, let me get 10 bottles of Cristal. He's like, a bottle of Jack Jack. I wasn't even the one drinking the Jack. He's an old school hamburger and hot dog guy. Amazing. This guy's a cheap date. It's incredible. I'm always a cheap date. Happy to pick up that tab. Happy to pick up that tab. Well, I love it. I mean, Thank you, Mark. Again, thanks. Again, go Mavs, and, uh, yes, and and uh, maybe you're going to buy this this Pua print we're going to yeah. show you something. Uh, well, don't anyway. hold your breath. <laughs> we'll Victory be back. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>